You have wondered what you would be able to do if you were the ultimate version of you, right? You would then have an easy time creating what you want, and yes, effortlessly enjoying life too. Now, you may know this already, the influence you have over your reality is far beyond what you've been told. Soon, you realize that your outer world is merely a mirror of your inner world, and we're here to connect the dots for you. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to God Mode. We will disclose powerful cheat codes for those of you who know you're ready to win or win bigger and to be the ultimate you because it's time. Presented by Upgrade, we are programmers of the human mind. And if you're here listening carefully, we will show you how to rewrite your codes that govern your reality. Till now, these cheat codes have been only offered to those who are privileged to be within the inner circle of the true masters. Now, enter God mode. Have you ever thought the saying, it's too good to be true? Have you ever said that to yourself at times? I know that in the past, I may have said that to myself and unconsciously, I've set myself up for mistakes or things to get in the way of what I truly want. Now, if you've thought that before in the past, it's all good because here at Upgrade, that's what we're here for, to begin to ask questions and to get very specific with the language. Because one, once one masters language, once they truly begin to understand that language does not describe, but determine and define our reality, then it's much easier to see how the equations that we're given to ourselves can sometimes set us up for the things that we don't want rather than what we do want. So on this week's podcast episode, we're going to dive into some things that we might be saying unconsciously that are defined and linked to beliefs that were unknown to us. So as always, welcome back, William. How's it going? Hey, good. Good to be back. Good to see you, Michael. You too. Feels good to be down here in Scottsdale, guys. I don't know if everyone knows this, but I've moved down, followed William down into the nice warm weather, and it feels good to be in this environment. We talk about environments so much. And you're right, dude, driving around, see these awesome cars, see these people. You're right. There's an abundance of just good feelings down here. Definitely. Definitely. The environment is key and environment is also one reason why people talk a certain way. So if we were to think about how, you know, if we consider things that we want are too good to be true we need to place ourselves in an environment that those things that seem too good previously are now just normal. Exactly. You know, I actually, uh, this is part of the things that I feel grateful of since getting to know you and now work with you is that I'm able to be a master observer of language, not only for myself, but for others. The past few days I've been able to, uh, reframe a few friends on social media when I see that their language was not serving them. Um, and actually when they were sharing other people's language where they thought the message was, you know, helping them, but the words that they were unconscious of, unconscious of was detrimental really to them, you know, saying something like, oh, this person, right. And everyone's safe and healthy. But a message that one of my friends shared on social media was like, Hey, not everything's going to be easy. You know, you may get sick. Your family may get sick. So unconscious they were, they were kind of projecting those things out. And since I was able to be aware of that, I told my friend, I was like, Hey, listen, 
yeah, I get what they're trying to do with their overall message. However, that language is very specific, right? And it's a projection and you got to be careful of that. And he's like, oh, wow. Thank you for the reminder. And that's something that I think here at Upgrade, we do well because sometimes people get stuck in those old associated beliefs where they're not being aware of how their language really is defining the reality. Yeah, you know something interesting about um, how I grew up? The, the culture in Asia, at least, you know, the part I grew up in, there was a lot of, um, let me put it this way. The culture does not allow people to say those things and have those people be considered normal. For example, um, and, and we're not talking about like governmental announcements or media and all that stuff. Um, we're talking about like in general, in a social setting, for example, um, let's say someone, um, and, and especially during holidays, like if someone were to come over and start talking about anything negative, oftentimes they get kicked out. And, and like, if we like during Chinese new year, let's say someone comes over and say, you know, talk about sickness, whether it's first person, second person, third person, they literally get kicked out. Mm. at least in my family, right? And, and the reason is um, what they believe to be, you know, bad, bad luck or bad fortune or, or um, even to the degree of curse, right? Why would anyone say that during a time period where there's a high concentration of new energy, which is a new year, which many believe to set the pace of the year? And why would anyone form the words with such new energy that are negative, right? That's the perspective. Now, I used to think it was just superstition before I completely, before I actually understand that our words, once again, like you said earlier, does not describe, it defines, and it determines, it even begins to form our reality because our words are labels of our internal reality because you, you can't have those words without those thoughts. And if you have those thoughts, those thoughts could actually breach the very layer that separates our thoughts and reality. And if it breaches into reality, and most people have no idea how to control that, they don't know how to not project what they don't want into reality. And oftentimes they wonder why, you know, certain things happen in the physical. And they're like, I knew it. I spoke about that. Yeah, that convincer that they're looking for sometimes is what we call a secondary gain, guys. And secondary gains can be tricky because you wouldn't think that you would want to keep a problem for yourself or you wouldn't think that you would want to not have an outcome work out the way that you would want it to. However, think about that saying, too good to be true. If you were to say too good to be true, that's exactly what it is. It's a secondary gain that you're keeping the problem or you're not allowing to believe yourself that good things can be happening to you, that good things can just happen easily and effortlessly. So if you want something and then it starts to show up in your physical external reality, nice and easy for you, and then you still have that belief deep inside from who knows where, right? Maybe it was from a parent or friend, maybe just heard it on a TV program way back in the day. Who knows where it came from? If you have that thought, that belief that's too good to be true, and then something else comes along and it messes it up and you're like, yeah, I knew it. 
I knew it was too good to be true, right? Now you're reaffirming that belief. So that's what a secondary gain can be. And yes, they're tricky. And this is where at Upgrade, we really encourage to become super aware and massively responsible of the words that you're using inside your own internal thoughts, as well as how you speak to others, how you speak to yourself. And once you have that kind of level of responsibility, of course, we give you skills and tools here at Upgrade too within our training, because it's not enough just to have responsibility and awareness. You, you can have some skills and tools to go along with it, right? So at Upgrade, we teach you that. It's that recognition though. What am I creating in my reality by having a belief like it's too good to be true? Yeah, it's really a big problem. And you know, that's, that's one of the statements that people say, right? There are other ones similar to it, right? Um, you know, it can't be that easy. I mean, think about that statement. It can't be that easy. Or, man, life is hard. Or, you know, it's, it's life. They'll label certain events. They're like, oh, it's life. Life happens, right? And or they'll say, you know, things don't always work out. Yeah. Now, all of these are problematic programs that stem from people previously living in extreme circumstances that are no longer, uh, and I'm not saying that we no longer have those circumstances in some parts of the world. Sure. At the same time, if you're not in that circumstance, and that even if you are, if you begin to understand what we're saying here, you begin to gain back the control and you begin to realize your words are actually far more powerful. Because think about it. It's not just words we're talking about. You may think words are empty vibrations of sound, but no, words are symbolic creation, symbolic representation of our internal thoughts. First, being represented in the physical. So words that we use, whether it's written, which is also a physical representation of internal thought in the physical, but words that we speak also are representation of our internal thoughts in the physical. And that has breached the gap. That has, that has breached the, the, the very thing that is in between our thoughts and our reality, the membrane of existence or reality. Whatever we like to call it, it's simple to think about if you think and you speak, you already are projecting. And if you're projecting what you don't want, then it's no surprise, right? If you're projecting, hey, it's too good to be true, then you're also, think about it, if, you, if that's a mathematical formula, too good to be true. So anytime something crosses, crosses a certain threshold of how good something is, according to you or someone else, whoever set the standard, all of a sudden, it's not true anymore. And your unconscious mind will find ways to invalidate that and or sabotage to make sure it meets your standard or your model of reality. And of course, we've talked about this on the podcast before, and we deep dive into in our advanced trainings, how our identity and our values 
they'll make up and they'll really govern those those beliefs and those sayings that will sometimes hold as our reality, right? I remember at a time when I was progressing through the panic zone, we've talked about this on past shows, of that too good to be true for myself, um, that it was too good to be true to make money fast, right? Like anywhere from like five to six figures a month. I thought that too good to be true was tied to like a lot of sacrifice, a lot of deserving, a lot of earning, right? And it's not to say that you can't put in effort, guys. This is not what we're saying. What we're saying is, do you have a complex equivalence, a belief in your mind that is governed by some values? So for example, I value family, right? I'm sure most of our listeners value family as well. My family had values that was tied to work and earned income about sacrifice and about hardship earning, all those things, right? So unconsciously by me valuing family, I also valued those values that were tied to it of how my family identified and then how I identify how I not only make money, but then collect and receive money. So as you you guys can see, there's a connection between all this, right? So just by simply thinking about too good to be true, that was just a small little outlier of how it's connected to my entire lineage of how my family represents earning money. So when I was having that breakthrough and getting past the five and eventually to around the six figures in one month for real estate way long ago, when I first started working with William and Upgrade, it was beginning to do a big deep dive shift into my identity of how Michael Mahoney not only valued himself, right? Is that my identity, my core, but also my identity of my family values and now how I earned money. And it, you would think that, I mean, that's such an interesting connection, right? At the neurological level, just think too good to be true was connected all the way to my family because I do value my family and I love them very much. However, how the values of how they earned and what they believe to be, you know, valuable, right? Or of value to them, those things were conflicting with me and how I wanted to make money fast. So this is where we really, we, we um, not pressure ourselves, right? We really take a deep dive into what is the identity of who we are? What are our values? And that's where you can find that lineage, that connection. So I hope with that story that I just shared, guys, that you begin to think about, is there times in your life that you've said certain things because they're tied to different values of your life and who you identify as? You know, Michael brought up a super important thing, family. There are a lot of things being shared in families. I mean, I remember having dinner with my kids and I would say certain things and they would remember. Like, for example, this is, this is a really good example of what my kids pick up. And of course, you know, everything. It's not just the good stuff, right? It would be nice if they just pick up the good stuff. But I will give you an example of something good they picked up. So... Um, one of my children was at school and he was actually having a fever. And the school um, called us and repeatedly said in front of him, and, and you know, it's not the school's fault or anything. The lady was simply being kind and, and making sure that we know that he has a fever. And the lady said, he has a fever like twice or three times on the phone. And every time our son heard it, he would say, I'm healing I'm already feeling better. I'm healing. And then every time she said it again, 
He said, I'm healing. And by the time we picked him up, he was literally not having a fever anymore. Now, I'm not saying that by saying what he said, he got rid of the fever. That's not what I'm saying. Um, what I am saying is his mindset does have a lot to do with how he feels. And think about it. Our thoughts and our emotions are not separate from our body, right? It's, it, they're not. It's all in one. So you can't say, oh, I, I, uh, you know, my physical body is not feeling good, but I emotionally and mentally feel amazing. Like that doesn't, that doesn't actually normally happen. Typically, if you want, and, and same thing with, you know, if your mind uh, is sharp and your emotions are intact, your physical body tends to also operate at a higher level. And when it comes to our language, that's actually a really easy way to align both the internal and external. So something that a lot of people may not have considered uh, maybe up to this point is that language actually bridges the gap between the internal and the external world. It's one of the major key understandings of how we can align the internal environment and the external environment. Because previous episodes we've talked about if you change your internal environment, change your external environment to match it so that you can be supported in your internal change. Well, now it's time to understand that language is what actually cohesively pulls the two together in alignment. If you want the external and the internal to align, you must speak accordingly. Because you could be in the most epic environment, you can think good thoughts, but if your language is off, there's going to be a problem and, and that synchronization is going to be off. But if your language is on point, if you describe your reality, yeah, in such a way, think, think of it like this. The words not only align the internal and the external, is what actually continues to perpetuate and project both internally and externally. Because no matter what you, you and I talk about, we understand now the internal environment has an effect on the external and the external environment has an effect on the internal. Well, the glue between the two actually is our language because the language not only describes what's going on inside and outside, but once again, it defines. So it's a loop. It's a cycle. The words we use literally cause the internal and the external to continue to influence each other in a cohesive manner. Think of it like this. Let's say you're a user of a computer. Nowadays, we have graphical user interface. Um, and, and, you know, back in the day, there were, you know, computers that run just on codes. And even now still, there are some computers that run on just codes. But um, if you were to go to a ATM, right, to draw cash, you have buttons you can press. And all of a sudden, you know, cash comes out. Now, what happens there is that the programmer has abstracted this process so that you only need to see those buttons graphically, make it easy for you to press some buttons, and then the money comes out. But there's complex codings that are being executed, codes that are being executed in the background, right? Well, language does the same thing. Language labels the visual, the auditory, the kinesthetic, the smell, and the taste within ourselves, 
and it it's the language that labels them. Therefore, language is an abstraction of all those things. So when I say pink elephant, there's a million different pieces of data that exist in your mind when you think about this pink elephant. You would begin to even if you were to zoom in, you could see the texture of the elephant's skin, but in pink. Yeah, you could even see the hair. You could see all the different things if you were to zoom in. You may even hear the sound. You may even smell something, right? And and all of those, and may even have a certain kinesthetic. All of those is the back end of what's going on. But the word we use is one simple label, one simple label that describes the whole thing. Well, when you use that language, you can actually instead of writing your entire thought, drawing the pink elephant. You know, describing the sound、um, by mimicking it, right? You are literally the word "describe," right? Is you're using words to label certain things so that others can utilize those same words and come up with the same pictures in their minds, the same sound, feeling, and all that. So your internal pictures, the efficiency in which you can cause what's going on inside to be. What some may say, projected or manifested into the external, is the efficiency of your language. How efficient you are in your language, and when a salesperson is very good at this, they are excellent at selling. When a when a politician is very good at this, they are very good at managing and creating change. When a celebrity or an artist is very, they're very good at this. They are very influential, and when a manager or an executive or a CEO or a company owner is very good at this, they are incredibly, incredibly good at communicating their vision and getting their team to follow through. Lastly, if you're an investor, same thing, same thing. You would find yourself doing, doing certain things and being able to persuade others to join in on the deals with you. This is the power of words. Is to to be able to label certain things V A K O G visual auditory kinesthetic olfactory and gustatory, those internal data points, and having one or two or simply a sentence, be able to group all those data, millions of data points together in just one, two, or you know ten words, and then being able to pass that to others and influence your external. So this is. One of the little glimpse into you know what we're developing in Sales God, it's it's our is going to be a key component of the upgrade training series to be able to help individuals become truly masters of persuasion, but not because you're persuading the conscious mind, but because you are able to give exactly what the unconscious mind needs, so that you can. Have that influence that's positive and ecological with others as well as with yourself and with the world that we live in. Yeah. So, what you said about the language being the, you know, the glue, the bridge between the internal and the external, that's one of the main things that we're going to be focusing on in Sales God, guys, is how that barrier sometimes that we believe is there. You can you can cross that barrier very easily through language and how. Sales God training. If you truly want to master things within your business, if you truly want to be a sales god in all areas of your life, right? This is the training that you're going to want for you. It's going to teach you reframing and linguistic skills at a whole new level. Because 
when you begin to master those things, you'll see the external elements obey for you. You'll see money flow faster to you. You'll see new people and opportunities and resources show up to you. And that's what Sales Guy was created for. That's what Upgrade's here for, to bridge that gap and connect the dots for you. Yeah, and we can talk more about Sales Guy in the next episode. One simple way of uh, ending this um, episode and, and you know summing up what Sales Guy really is, is that we're not interested in just helping you become very good because many of you already are. We're interested in literally creating people that you know utilize our material and, and feel like they're a sales god, right? They're for the title. But one reason that we are doing this and, and or specifically how we're doing it is that we're gonna teach you how to construct what picture, what sound, what feeling, what smell and taste by the power of your words in other people's minds so that they can live a fully experiential, not a sales pitch anymore, a fully experiential, well, literally, it's an experience that they desire. It's a delightful, desirable experience. So this is a experiential type of persuasion that we'll teach you to master. So we'll, we'll talk to you guys next episode. Thank you for listening and uh, talk to you guys soon. Take care, guys.